recording. Rock and roll. Me, 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 me. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Nature Centered, a podcast from Wild Birds Unlimited about feeding the birds and enjoying nature right in your own backyard. Here are your hosts, naturalists John Schaust and Brian Cunningham. Hi, everyone. I'm John Schaust. And I am Brian Cunningham. And welcome to episode 21. And happy Valentine's Day, just a few days away. And if it's Valentine's Day, we got to talk birds. And not only talk about birds, we got to reveal the secret love life of birds. Oh, and what is that secret, John? <laughs> we have lots of them, Brian. It's going to be a fun show. Lots of great little tidbits that maybe if some folks have never heard about birds and, and their their life together. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. And, and maybe you can relate to some of these secrets, but also watching the birds in your backyard, you might start to look at them a little differently after our little uh, reveal today. <laughs> Plus, we have a fun kids activity at the end that's going to help you to show a little love to the birds for Valentine's Day. All right. Should be a lot of fun. We'll get started in just a few seconds. Right, Brian. We've had a lot of fun with these podcasts over the last six, seven months. Oh, yes. Um, but we're going to have to, you know, be kind of uh, delicate. I think we're going to uh, shake some things up and blow some people's minds because I, <laughs> I, I think there are some things they, they think about that maybe are not true about birds. Absolutely. <laughs> so birds in February 14th. What I mean, the connection. Why are we doing this on Valentine's Day? Well, obviously the, the love connection. I, Sorry, I had to throw that in there. <laughs> uh, and uh, there's actually kind of a long, long history of connecting birds to Valentine's Day. Oh, even way back to medieval folklore and how, you know, birds choose their mates. No, I'm, and... I'm not that old, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> you don't remember those days? <laughs> you didn't write the book research, on this one? have haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, they thought birds chose their mates on February 14th, right? Yeah. <laughs> I I don't know where they came up with that, but those are the dates. You know, why not have that date for Valentine's well, Day? And we, we pick our mates then, right? But, but you know what? If you really think about it right now, and it, literally, I was outside cleaning the snow off my car this morning, mm -hmm. and I heard the first red-winged blackbird doing a conkeree, you know, call that they do, which Seriously? is their, their territory. I know. And we have great horned owls already nesting, sitting on the eggs on the nest. We have... Um, oh, I've heard barred owls already yeah. chattering back and forth saying, hey, so, yeah. um, I'm starting to get get a little excited about you and I coming together and having a family. Yeah, so I guess really, naturally, the timing is just dead on. It's right yeah, when all yeah. of this type of behavior starts. It's the kickoff for the breeding season for, for the vast majority of our birds. Yeah, one of those things that uh, is very interesting, John, I like this, uh, this big word. Let's see <laughs> if I say it right. Ornithomancy. I think it... Yes, You've ornithomancy. Been, you've been practicing, haven't you? I have. I've been practicing that. <laughs> yeah, you know, we break that down. It means bird divination. But what in the world oh, is that oh, all about? That's even much know? better. Yeah, much clearer now. <laughs> bird divination. That explains everything. <laughs> I think we just lost half our audience, Brian. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I think we can bring them back because I think it's really cool that it was a practice of looking at the birds to help understand your dating life or who you might uh, marry. 
back in the day because you get around that February time frame and around Valentine's Day, the first bird that you saw actually would divine or help reveal the, the kind of person that you would marry. Mm-hmm. And I love that it was all about the birds. Yeah. I, bet, I bet one of these you could guess, you know, if you saw a goldfinch, you know, what kind of person you might marry, you know, goldfinch or gold. It's all about money, right? Could be a pretty wealthy person. There you go. There you go. My favorite, all of all of them, although there's mm-hmm. a lot of great ones, is <laughs> the bluebird. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the bluebird of happiness. If you want to marry somebody who's going to be a happy partner and keep you having fun throughout the rest of your life, then you need to go out. And the way this worked is you went out and saw If you saw this bird, mm-hmm. that was an indicator. It was an omen to you that that's the type of person you were going to marry. So if I went out today and saw a bluebird, which I literally have a bunch of them out my window at this very moment, uh, I'm going to marry somebody who's kept me happy, which in my case came true. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Birds of Prey. Oh, I saw it. Maybe we should stay away from that one because that means you're going to marry a politician. <laughs> we'll move on from there. Uh. <laughs> and, of course, what, what's more clear than if you want somebody who's always going to return home, what bird do you need to see in your backyard? The pigeon. The pigeon. The pigeon. The homing you know, <laughs> pigeon. pigeon home. Homing yeah, pigeon. They, man, they, they know exactly where to come back. Are you, are you sure these were developed back in the Dark Ages? <laughs> <laughs> Sound kind of modern connections to me, but anyway. <laughs> well, you know, I guess we probably should end. Not everyone's happy about Valentine's Day. And the bird, if you ever saw woodpecker crow as that first bird... Yeah, it means yeah, that relationship can wait another year. There you go. <laughs> and some people prefer that, right? <laughs> yeah. So, John, I know when we look out and we see the birds in our backyards, a lot of people think, oh... These birds are mating for life. It's so sweet. It's so cute. They're coming together. <laughs> They're raising the family. They're totally true to one another. You know, we've heard of, you know, talked about eagles or, or swans, different birds of prey. A lot of times, like you said, they mate for life. But when you really start to look at the birds in our backyard, maybe this is where that secret to the love life of birds really <laughs> comes into play, right? So yeah. let's, let's talk about that secret, right? Yeah, I hate to do this, but it's almost like you can kind of there's so many of these things that you can compare directly to people and our behaviors you know and then comes to birds their mating strategies and their courtship strategies are amazingly similar to some of ours Uh, you know we have birds that do monogamy they literally you know till death do us part and i think a lot of us think that that's true for a lot of birds it's actually pretty doggone rare when it gets right (laughs) down to it in this sense and I try not to make this too complicated because it is a little bit. Monogamy is when the pair bond, the, 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 the male and the female bond together to raise a family. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's a social pair bond. It's where they, you know, and that can last for one nesting. They can be monogamous on one nesting or it can last for a nesting season or it could last for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Lifetime monogamy in the bird world is actually very rare. There's only about mm-hmm. 14% of all the birds who actually form a pair bond that lasts until death do us part. Most of them are the really big birds, the birds of prey, the owls, the swans, the cranes, that type of thing, because it takes a long time. 
and a lot of resources to raise their young. You know, these are big birds. Yes. They have to spend a lot of time and invest a lot of energy to get these birds successfully fledged and, and on their own. So a, a pair bond that lasts a lifetime is a huge advantage. It means you don't have to spend all the time in courtship. It doesn't have to spend all the time developing a territory. You already have those things in place, so you can take that energy and put to raising your young. There is one of the cool backyard birds Mm-hmm. that does this and it kind of breaks the mold because it's not one of the large birds it's one They're of the very cutest. small yeah it's one of the cutest birds and it's that carolina wren uh, they actually do create a lifelong pair bond with each other uh, and and till death do us part so when you watch those carolina wrens in your backyard if you've got them um, how cool is that to watch them because they're always together you, mm-hmm. you almost never mm-hmm. see one without the other one being fairly close by uh, just realize they are together for the rest of their lives. Yeah, that's very cool. So monogamy is is really, you know, it's weird because only 14% are true blue, lifelong. But almost 90% of all birds form some social pair bond in the form of monogamy during the course of, whether it's for one nesting or a nesting season or multiple nesting seasons. Then we get into kind of the weird ones like the red-winged blackbird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Casanova of the bird world. Uh, the Casanova who has maybe up to 12, 13 more females yeah, yeah. in its territory that he is there his harem. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, this is we call it polygamy and he's he, he's the master of his of his rule, if you will. Uh, but instead of being bonded to one, he is bonded to multiples, uh, up to, like I said, 12, 14, whatever number. It's huge numbers in some cases. So that's a whole different rule. And then we have the ones that they're just no pair bond. <laughs> None at <laughs> all. Yeah. And they're like the <laughs> the hummingbirds, the ruby the hummingbird in, in the east here, you know, but all hummingbirds. The male Man has hummingbirds. Yeah. yeah. They have nothing to do. The male has nothing to do with the female whatsoever except the actual mating. Uh, after that, it's she doesn't get any help from him. She He doesn't protect the nest. He doesn't help raise the young. He is totally just running around trying to find every female he can find. Uh, so that's kind of the, the things. Now, having gone through all these steps, here's the other fact. These birds quite often are, even though they're socially bonded, they're not always bonded. They cheat is what I'm trying to get to. They actually go out. Mm-hmm. Infidelity <laughs> is actually the rule. Even though they're socially bonded, they're not sexually bonded in many cases. So infidelity among all of these strategies is a very, very commonplace uh, practice among birds. So not quite that wonderful, true blue, <laughs> <laughs> lifelong you know, bonding that we maybe once thought was out there indeed and and it's interesting when you take that thought and you say okay so we're not totally and utterly bonded together just you and me to raise these families why not and and it's interesting to look at the science and the biology behind that because if you got to think more like a bird and it's if you're going to raise a family you want to make sure that your family is viable that all these all these eggs as they hatch and all these little hatchlings as they grow up you want them to fledge the nest and go and raise more families so that your species continues uh, yeah, it's all, so. it's all about genetic diversity when it gets right down mm-hmm. to it. If, if I'm the red-winged blackbird, I want to spread my genes as far and wide as I can. And you know what the bottom line is, if I'm the female, I want a variety of genes. I want you to know, make sure it, it's all going to work. I'm going to have yeah. as many babies make it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, up to, up to uh, uh, I think it's on the red-winged blackbirds, almost 40% of all the youngsters in a nest 
uh, are not the result of the red-winged blackbird that holds the territory. It's from the female sneaking out the back door and meeting mm-hmm. the red-winged blackbird in the next territory and coming back. And so half, or about 40% of all the nestlings, according to some research, don't actually, they're not sired by the original mate. They're sired by another one. What that does is it gives you genetic diversity. So you're not, you know, if, if a bird has a, a, a weakness to a disease, you know, maybe those offspring don't make it, but the offspring of the other red-winged blackbird will make it. It's mm-hmm. that type of thing. You want to have that genetic diversity to protect you among every possible threat that the environment can throw at you if a certain bird is resistant or not. So that's the reason the promiscuity, if you will, uh, the infidelity is so prominent in the world of birds. It just spreads the genes and diversifies the gene pool. So we just covered kind of the mating strategies of monogamy and polygamy and promiscuity. It's all about genetic diversity for the birds, but there's a lot of similarity of how the birds go about finding a mate to the way we try to find a mate through different ways of courtship. So John, what if we cover some of that courtship right now? (laughs) I do love this. It is so much fun. Yeah. If you really think about there's, you know, there's, there's not just one courtship strategy with birds. There's, gosh, what, a half a dozen or more of different types of displays and singing and and behavior. So, and many of them do actually kind of um, parallel human behavior and, and like you singing. Know, I mean, the number one... the risk one... of anthropomorphizing the birds today, <laughs> making them like people, right? <laughs> it's hard not to, to be honest, right. in some of these things. But, you know, not that, not that I don't think I ever sang to to my wife when I was courting her. <laughs> now, Brian, I know you've got a great voice and maybe you... I Actually, she did end up giving me a guitar as a, uh, a wedding present. So there, there was a little singing involved in there. Yeah. Yeah. Singing for... for and again, all these courtship displays, what's, what they have in common uh, is that they actually are, and typically it's the male, uh, are demonstrating uh, the male's ability and physical strength mental sharpness it, there are some of these things that you're not going to do unless you're in really good physical condition which means mm-hmm. you've got really good genetics and if yeah. i'm a female i'm going to go wow how cool is that uh other things are going to take a certain level of skill and and knowledge uh, and singing kind of covers all of these things and that's probably why singing and song is the number one courtship behavior of birds because think of the dawn song and if no more the dawn song is one of the mm-hmm. coolest things and if you've never done this you know come late march april may or early june get up in the morning and get outside at first light and just listen to the cacophony of all the different birds singing their heart out and they literally do this for hours sometimes and think about it these male birds are out showing off for the females, trying to attract one with their song. And so it's the number of times that they can repeat that song. It's the exactness of that song. Are they hitting the notes just right every single time? It's telling the female that that guy is pretty got good endurance singing on an empty stomach. It's, 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 it's doing it first thing. It hasn't gone out and fed and then come back and start singing. It's singing after having fasted all night long. And... 
it's doing it exactly, which means it has intelligence. It, it, it learned the song and can repeat it over and over again. So that literally tells the female, hey, that guy's got his act together. <laughs> so one of the other cool strategies that I like that, that you don't see a lot, but you definitely see it among a number of different birds. Cardinals, again, come to mind. But there are other ones, cedar waxwings and, and various other birds. And it's, and it's feeding each other. And, you mm-hmm. know, you, you, you ever go to a restaurant and you can always tell the young lovers because they're taking a little <laughs> bite of food and handing it to their, you know, having them taste of food or whatever, taking the fork full of spaghetti or whatever, you know, that type of thing. It's courtship behavior of, of this feeding. This You, kind of you this. haven't dated in quite a while. I don't think you're going <laughs> to feed someone else spaghetti. <laughs> Point well made. <laughs> Point well made. Okay, well, maybe it's not so uh, applicable, but... <laughs> maybe not <laughs> but the spaghetti the, part. <laughs> you know, if you think about it, it's for a bird. Their whole job in life is to feed themselves. Mm-hmm. And to come to the point where they're literally able to take food away from themselves and give it to a partner, boy, to the female, that demonstrates a lot of, of uh, dedication to the, to the nesting because it means that the male is going to be able to bring food back to the nest and feed those young and provide for those youngsters. So courtship feeding, again, is kind of a neat way of the female judging the male. Yeah, singing and dancing, too. Getting out there and cutting a rug. <laughs> Get out, go dancing. I know a lot of people love to go dancing, and it's a great yeah. way yeah. to meet up with a mate or to potentially find a mate. You know, are you a great dancer? You got good moves? Can we dance together? Do we have that chemistry? And there are some birds that do that too. And in many respects, John, like you're saying, it shows that you've got strength. You've got grace. You can keep going. Can you impress me with this dance? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think about sandhill cranes. Yeah, uh, Sandhill cranes all across North America, well, they will dance for each other. And they do their... You know, you, you'll hear them with their loud calls, but the dancing they do, they're, they're jumping up in the air and flapping their wings and swirling around. Uh, fascinating stuff to watch. Yeah. One of my all-time favorites, and I don't get to see it too much from being here in Indiana, but I've had a few times when I've been out west, and you see the the uh, western grebe or the Clark's yes. grebe. Um, they do a ballet on the water. They literally come up off the water and run run across the top of the water in parallel in total unison in total synchronization it is so cool to see uh and that's just again their the the way of judging each partner as to their stamina and their skill and their knowledge to be able to learn that and repeat it over and over again so very cool so one we definitely need to highlight eagles mating for (laughs) life are doing that pair bonding they're flying around together kind of getting set getting ready to go and then all of a sudden they will come right at each other they'll flip upside down talons towards one another and lock feet together and start tumbling in a spiral (laughs) towards the earth if you've not seen this do a just do a google search and look at videos on youtube or whatever it is the most amazing thing you've ever seen my my son calls it extreme sports <laughs> for eagles <laughs> oh and it's fascinating how long can they hold together as they get closer and closer to the ground before they finally break apart and fly off separately and then come back together and do it over again so you got to look it up if you've never seen it 
Yeah, and again, we we can just keep going. The the, the meetings, the courtship strategies are, I won't say endless, but you know, one of my other little favorites is preening. Every once in a while, you'll see birds mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. doves, especially. You'll see doves do this a lot, where they'll sit right next to each other, and one will preen the feathers of the other bird, and that's just again, think of that. You're a territorial bird uh, when you're nesting. The, the, to break down and to allow another bird come close to you and then actually preen it really does show the fact that it's going to be a good mate and it's not going to hurt me. You know, it's not going to challenge me or, or attack me. It's actually going to, you know, protect me. And, you know, the preening kind of is a, a symbol of all that. So when they do the preening, and if you think about it, you kind of see, ever see that. And again, thinking of the, well, of course, I may be dating myself again here, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> But you see that kind of in couples, you know, they'll play mm-hmm. with each other's hair or, you know, that type oh, of thing. Yeah. So preening is another courtship strategy that birds use, you know, the big, you know, muscle walking down the beach, you know, that type of thing. Um, you know, birds do that, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I get yeah. back to our red winged blackbird, those big red, what we call epaulets, those big red patches on the, on the upper part of their wing. Um, they can keep that covered. They actually have a, a, a set of feathers that come down over the top of them. You don't always see that red, and sometimes that leads to confusion as to what the bird is because you mm-hmm. don't immediately see the red. But, boy, when it's on territory and it's trying to attract females and, and warn other males not to come near, he is flashing those big red bright epaulets uh, on his shoulders and, and giving warning or, or uh, trying to attract the female. So it's just, it's just a form of display that, again, uh, gets the eye and the attention of the female. And she would look at the, the, the quality of the red in those feathers. If it's really red, it means that that bird's a good provider because it's being able to find the right foods with the right pigments, the carotenoids that go into those red feathers. So it's just another symbol to a female bird as to the quality of a potential mate. So I think we've covered some fun things on courtship here, John. You know, we can be looking out our backyard, checking out those feeders. What are the birds doing in the backyard? You know, whether they're singing their little hearts out. And we know it's not just for us, even though we like to think so. Maybe it's I'm establishing my territory or, hey, I'm great. Hey, ladies, listen to me. Or maybe looking for those kissing birds. Are, you know, feeding one another or the flirting of each with each other, flirting, preening one another, or, hey, love those displays of, hey, look at me. I'm the big, bold, buff, most colorful one. You want, you want to, you want to get with me. So lots of fun little courtship displays that we can be watching for. So revealing more of those secrets of the love life of birds, especially in our own backyard. I think you've got a kids activity that's kind of fun too. Yes, we've got a fun kids activity today where you can show the birds some love this Valentine's Day or throughout the month of February by making some heart-shaped foods for the birds. Now, you can make some seed cookies or even bark butter hearts, taking some seed, mixing it with bark butter or your favorite nut butter and add a string to that and you can bake them, uh, cutting them into little heart shapes. And we have all of the instructions for that that you can find in our show notes at wbu.com slash podcast. You can also make bark butter hearts for the birds by taking bark butter and even a heart-shaped cookie cutter and putting bark butter on a tree or on a feeder and making little heart shapes out of them. Different ways to show the birds some love this Valentine's season. So maybe that's your way to help court them in your yard. 
And I hope as people look into their backyards and watch those backyard birds or wherever you are watching birds, that you actually can look at them in a new light and how those behaviors actually mean something. And around Valentine's Day, springtime, it's all about love and courtship. As well, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. We definitely would like to get that feedback from you. And we appreciate that you're listening in to the Our Nature Centered Podcast. Consider joining us again next time in about two weeks when we're going to truly let nature be our guide as to what we talk about. So take care and be safe. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of Nature Centered. To subscribe to this podcast, for show notes, or to connect with the Wild Birds Unlimited store nearest you, visit wbu.com slash podcast. Until we meet again, take some time to relax, enjoy the birds, get out in your backyard, and stay nature-centered.